Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you, your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. So in the next coming weeks, I have decided to launch a coronavirus series in which I'll be bringing on amazing guests to talk about these uncertain times and how even in uncertainty, there can be an amazing opportunity for us to thrive. Now, that may sound weird, especially if you're seeing markets tumble, especially if you've got people around you that are suffering because of the the virus, uh, and maybe even if because you are scared of your business coming to a halt. Whatever it is, the fears that you have and the panic that you may be feeling, then this series is going to really help with that. I felt really compelled to bring this into uh, my awareness, but also into the awareness of you, the listener. So with that in mind, I'm super excited to be launching this series and for us to create a different conversation to the one that's being had in the media. Not to say that this isn't important, not to say that we're not entering into difficult times, but to say that there is and there are other ways of viewing it other than the panic and the fear that's being brought to the table. So if you are feeling that and you know, you're, you are being affected by the coronavirus through your business, through your finances, through your health, then these are going to be incredible conversations to be tuning into. And if you know of anybody in that situation, then please, please, please do share the episodes with them. Enjoy. And on today's show, I've invited the beautiful Del Ailey Jones back onto the show to talk about toxic relationships during the lockdown. As you may always well remember, we talked about narcissistic relationships in the last podcast episode that we did. And we decided to talk about toxic relationships during this time because the lockdown has actually been amplifying relationship dynamics that may or may not well have been noticed before. We spoke about how to identify whether you're in a toxic relationship. We spoke about how you can deal with the situation on this particular lockdown. And we also talked about how to move out and off into another relationship that can actually be much better for you. So if you have been struggling with your relationships during this time and you've got an inkling or a notion that it's become quite toxic, then this is going to be a great episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome everybody to another coronavirus special. It's really funny. As, as time has gone by, my videos have got a little bit more loco and so has the way I'm presenting this podcast. So it might have something to do with the fact that I'm on lockdown day 17, veering into 18 and God knows how long we're going to be here for. So welcome back, Del. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Equally so, a little stir crazy on this side of the of the ocean. How long have you been in lockdown for now? Um, gosh, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I haven't been counting, but um, I think I think my personal lockdown started uh, two weeks ago. This coming Friday. Right. So maybe what's I'm about to take day twelve then. Right. But I think, I think our official one was maybe. Oh, God, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think it's actually even longer. 
can't remember. It's, so, um, it, it, it's officially that she's been in lockdown already by way too long. It's that sort of, I don't know what day it is or what hour it is, and I can't even... <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about relationships, especially as we're all locked in and down, um, and how to, I don't know, navigate this. Because I guess what this is doing it's just putting a massive magnifying glass, right, on things that were already happening that looking up close is magnifying even more, right? Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, during this, I, I was, I mean, even in the healthiest of relationships right now, um, there are stresses that we normally wouldn't have. People have been more reactive, more emotional, coming from a place of fear and confinement and pressure and and so when you and my area of expertise is dealing with codependency and and narcissistic abuse and and that realm and if you're in one of those relationships or any relationship that's been that has an unhealthy pattern in it already that's just going to just get amplified incredibly And it's not like you can physically distance yourself from somebody or go for a walk or get away from them. You're really in a confined space. And I talked to somebody this morning who lives in um, the UK, and he said that I think murder is up amongst couples. Really? Yes. In the last, I can't remember if he said it was the last week or so, there have been 10 murders in, um, in the UK of spouse, uh, you know, uh, spouses murdering the other spouse, and um, he shared because he lives in Wales actually, and I'm from Wales. So he was he was saying that in Wales, just very close to him, some some seventy year old man, you know, and his wife, they were both in their seventies. He just he just strangled her, and because clearly. <laughs> He was out of his mind in that moment. I'm I'm laughing because you're laughing. Now, you're laughing silently, but that's how extreme. me. (laughs) Oh, my God. How is anybody going to take us seriously? We're going to be killing each other by the end of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's how. I mean, I'm thinking, my God, this couple managed to survive however long they've been married together, many years, they said. And due to this stress and the confinement, the husband just lost it. And it's so tragic. I mean, it's so, but it's understandable. I mean, I think I was just sharing about, I'll out myself here a bit. You know, I've noticed I have the most incredible partner in the world who's the most loving, amazing man. And I have been like irritable with him and um, nitpicky and, and, you know, things I'm not particularly proud of, but I can see that that as my stress level, as, you know, we're all human, we're going to go through the highs and the lows, and we were both sharing earlier that, you know, there are some, you know, more than the fear of my my getting the virus, it's the, it's the economical um, impact that this shutdown has had on everybody around the world. And that fear of how am I going to pay the bills and things like that creates a lot of stress within relationships. So um, that's part of what's going on, very much so. Never mind getting on each other's nerves. It's the, it's the, the worry of how, you know, what we're going to do in the future. Mm. So the more that we can sort of stay in the present moment and just put one foot in front of each other, 
and um and and give each other a break i mean give ourselves a break too if our emotions are a little heightened and we're a little more reactive than we'd like to be and equally so give that to our partners as well yeah um, and even children you know um i'm i'm really and um we're having our moments and uh one of the things that i've decided to do is a time out for me <laughs> i was about to say for both of you yeah going on time out give me give me 10 minutes like the other day literally um i was like i need to go outside leo i'm going outside because if I don't, I'm going to lose it and I don't want to. So I'm just going to go outside, take some deep breaths, come come back up and then we'll... Anyway, I, what I was amazed about was that I even had the space for me to see that and to kind of go, I need to just go outside for a couple of, you know, just to calm down. Um, so there, there is this capacity that we have for space inside then allows us to kind of walk away from something that is really not worth going into, right? Absolutely. And, no, and that's beautifully put. And it really is because, you know, the fact that, you know, we were talking about space as in a house or whatever, you know, it, it, that is, you know, that's, that's in the world of form. But as you say, in this formless world that we, we know we exist in, you know, space is only within us. I mean, going to that quiet place within us is is always there for us, regardless of what's going on in the outside world, regardless of, you know, the, the, the confinement. It is finding that place inside. And again, you know, just knowing that, but also knowing that, you know, sometimes in the heat of the moment, we might forget that for a minute, but not to beat ourselves up for it. And be, you know, I, I love George's, you know, being um, grateful for the highs and graceful with the lows. I mean, you know, if, if you for a moment forget and become reactive, it's just the just the allowing that to sort of be okay and just be like, okay, now I've, I've recentered myself. You know, I'm deeper in my grounding now. I, I know that that um, this is not a healthy way to communicate. So yeah, it's um, it's funny. I was doing a uh, webinar the other night and. Um, we were talking about this very thing, but with kids and one of the things that um, came, came up for me was thought just does its thing, right? It just does its thing. It, 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 it goes up and down. It, it, it does its thing. It has a life of its own as far as I can tell. And just like dogs that sniff, like it, they do their thing, right? You know, they pee against lampposts and they uh, <laughs> run around in the mud and they sniff things and they lick things and they're just doing their thing. Mm. You can't expect a dog not to do their thing. Yeah. And so I find myself, interestingly enough, for me, the dog is the thing that seems to be like the most annoying thing in my life right now. Mm. And she just does her thing. And I'm like, she's just doing a thing, Marina. Like you're just getting all hit up about somebody doing that, a dog doing this thing. She's just come to see me. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, oh, wow. I'm attempting to beat my dog up about her just doing her thing. Well, that's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. And you know what I think it is as I'm listening to you? I think it is that it's like when we feel that sort of 
because bottom line is we all feel we, we've lost control of this illusion of the safety we thought was out there. So I think what happens is we start sort of trying to create, you know, control rather our environment. And whether it's like, you know, the dogs, as you say, it's probably always done its thing, but all of a sudden you're noticing its thing because it's like, you know, maybe I can control my dog right now. Or maybe I can control my partner. Or it's, it's just so funny what we do. Yeah, that, those weird habits. So um, what of, you know, any of, of us that are in relationships that are codependent, especially now, you know, I was talking to my partner about this today. He, he was in a really toxic relationship for eight years. And I was saying to him, you know, I wonder how many men, because um, it's not just women, but men who also, you know, if they are in an abusive relationship are having to stick this out, like what the hell are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, where are you going to go? You can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, that's that's what I was saying. It's like, well, first of all, I mean, we did a show of a, a while back on narcissism, and we highlighted all you know what those traits were and what a narcissistic relationship looked like. But do you want me to just go over what what a codependent, somebody suffering with codependency, yes. what that looks like? Yes. So then people listening if they can identify with some of those traits and then we can sort of make sense of it so um basically i am a totally recovered thank god (laughs) codependent but um i spent many 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 years suffering from codependent thinking which completely and utterly um you know derailed or or influenced my relationships, my unhealthy relationships. That was my part in it. The fact that I quite often chose narcissistic men to be in a relationship with was just because it was the perfect fit. You know, they all they cared about was their needs and all I cared about were their needs. So it was the perfect fit. I was the sort of needless, wantless, um, how can I make you happy person? So anyway, so just to go back a little bit, um, I grew up in a very chaotic upbringing and that set in a certain pattern of behavior that I had that set me up for having this, you know, um, disordered way of thinking. So I'm just going to give you a, a, a broad outline of, of what codependency is and what can lead to it and what you can do to not do it anymore, basically. So basically, um, most codependent children grew up in a dysfunctional environment, usually um, um, traumatic in some way, maybe some physical abuse or abuse or abandonment, or simply having a narcissistic parent. Because what happens is, um, if you're a narcissistic parent, if that child is not giving you what you want or behaving in the way that you want them to behave, you'll use abandonment to control them. So you withdraw your affection you sort of are dismissive of them. And and the sheer fact that if you're suffering from a narcissistic behavior, you really don't see anybody else's needs and wants. You only see your own. So that can set up a child for feeling ignored, rejected, not good enough, um, um, all these feelings that can go into that. And also what happens is the child then has to negate their own needs to take care of the parents' needs because that's the only way they're going to be seen and heard and loved. So they push down their needs. They become they start growing up to be needless and wantless. Um, it's always about adjusting themselves to fit another person. 
And that habit is, is, um, is, is they take it through into adulthood. And there's a couple of things. I'm just going to refer to my notes sometimes so I can see, make sure I don't miss anything here. But um, so the fact that either their parents or their caregivers um, either abuse them or abandon them, often that child feels like, well, there must be something wrong with me. If my parent abused or abandoned me, then there's something inherently wrong with me. So they grow up with a deep sense of shame. And what happens is in adulthood, they start looking for um, for other unhealthy people to be in a relationship with, usually un- more unhealthy than they are, because that way they don't feel they're so bad. I mean, it's unconscious. Nobody's doing this intentionally, but it's um, it's a way of, of, um, of just taking the focus off them and putting it on somebody else. The other thing um, that when you have grown up in a dysfunctional environment and there's a lot of chaos or fighting or or push-pull of abandonment and using abandonment to control, um, often as an adult, you'll seek out that same type of environment because it's it, that's your norm. Even though it feels really dramatic and full of turmoil for healthy people, to us, that's just a norm. And if it's anything less than that, if there's a normal sort of peaceful interaction, it feels like we're dead. We don't feel we're alive unless we're in a heightened state of, of, of um, turmoil or, or, or drama, whatever it is. So a lot of codependents, are, you know, they, they are drama queens and attracted to dramatic, um, you know, situations or relationships. And then the other thing is um, they tolerate abuse because they have such a huge fear of abandonment that they're afraid that if they speak up and say, you know, this doesn't feel good to me or, or please, you know, don't be so aggressive with me, they're afraid that their partner is going to leave them. So, so they very subtly give the message to their partner that they will accept abuse and and unfortunately, then we, we teach people how to treat us. And if we if we let somebody abuse us, then that's the treatment we're going to con- keep getting back. So and then we they have very sort of um, um, weak boundaries. I mean, constantly moving that boundary to accommodate somebody else that clearly doesn't have healthy boundaries either. Either. So both people in that relationship have weak boundaries. and. Um, and then what happens is you become completely enmeshed with the other person. So whatever they're thinking or feeling, you're thinking and feeling too. There's no sort of distance between two healthy people coming together for a healthy relationship. You're constantly sort of in that emotional enmeshment where um, you can't even think straight because you're feeling and, and thinking everything your partner is feeling and thinking. And, and you're so disconnected from your own feelings in the end because it's all about the other person how to keep the other person happy or how to control them. You know, a lot of the partnerships that codependents get into are with addicts, whether it's um, whether you're addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever your addiction of choice is. And sometimes the addiction can be to anger. Anger is an addiction. It's that, it's that sort of this is how I feel better is to ex- express myself in a really angry way. So um, we already mentioned people, people pleasers. They, they, they're always putting other people's needs ahead of their own. Every, anything to, they believe that unless they are making somebody else happy, that um, they're, they're not, they're not going to be loved. 
So they need to feel feel they need to feel needed. They need to feel that um, because again, that's an, an insurance to them. If I'm needed, then my partner won't leave me. So you bend over backwards to accommodate them. It's this subtle thing of like, I don't want to be left or abandoned. Um, they tend to take things very personally because they don't see themselves. Uh, you know, they they see their partner's behavior as a reflection of what they're doing. They don't understand that their partner is a completely separate human being who's having their own thoughts and feelings that that have no bearing on you. But they take they believe that every, you know if their partner is angry, it's because I did something wrong. What can I do to make my partner happy? And that's what keeps you in that dance. Um, they have usually very low self-esteem, again, coming from that belief system that if I was you know, good enough or lovable, then my parents wouldn't have abused me or abandoned me. So again, they, because they lack that self-esteem within them, they're constantly looking for validation from the outside. You know, does my, you know if, if my partner loves me, that means I'm a good person. If I, if I say yes to other people and they, they say, oh, my God, you're so wonderful, you're so great, thank you so much, you're so kind, you're so generous, that becomes addictive to the codependent. They need that constant um, affirmation that they are a good person. Um, so, again, they, they, you know, it's all about making somebody else happy, not themselves. Um, that's pretty much it. That's that's describes that. So imagine what I've just painted there. That scenario of somebody that is con- constantly out of referencing as to how good a person they are, constantly feeling responsible for everybody else's feelings, whether it's their partner, their husband, their wife, their child. Um, it's it's. You know, you can see the pain and the stress that that can put on anybody in normal circumstances. But you put on top of that this confinement and, and you know, and, and both the codependent's emotional reaction becomes more reactive, plus the partner they're with, who is clearly not healthy either. As I've said to you before, you'll, water finds it's equal. You'll never have a completely healthy person in a relationship with a totally unhealthy person, whatever the dynamic is going on, you usually match each other on the level of, of, of dysfunctional or suffering or pain. And again, I, you know, we're in the three P community. All of this is describing behaviors, not who the person is. Everybody can has the ability to see something differently and therefore make different choices in their life. So this is just describing um, a scenario of, of, uh, thinking in the moment that that and those moments can carry on for a long time if then if you don't see any different so you might be in this behavior for a very long time but there is hope there's hope where was i um yeah so, mm-hmm. yeah so i was saying you can imagine the, the added stress that this this situation has put on a couple that already has a um, a fragile uh, way of relating to each other, and you can imagine that somebody doesn't want to sort of. I mean, we always say that you're walking on eggshells because you're afraid of your partner's, you know, big reactions, and so people are almost frozen in fear right now, afraid to you know say anything or stand up for themselves. So they're probably allowing more and more abuse to happen because they they feel that they they're trapped. They have nowhere to go. So yeah, there's there's a lot of this dynamic has heightened incredibly. 
So, as I said, like I guess it's a bit like putting it under a magnifying glass, and um, you know, I, I, you know, I go on these morning walks with my dog, and one of the things that kind of keeps occurring to me is is that this is like if we were going somewhere, we've just got on Concord. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're going there a hell of a lot faster. So. Um, everything has been sort of magnified, intensified, because even though I guess the circumstances can't give us a feeling, even though it looks to us that confinement is giving us a feeling, but it can't because it's created by this amazing principle called the thought. I guess on some level, um, there is a shift and change in how we are living. So, um, you know, we're not doing certain things. We're not going certain places. We're not having the, the space that we could otherwise have. Um, it's true. And it's, I, I always say, you know, we always say we live in, in the feeling of our thinking. And, you know, some people use the phrase, it's all an illusion. That's not a word I use. Because sometimes I think it can be perceived as dismissive. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I, the way I see it, and I think that's what I love about the principles, is we can all, all we can share is what we see. Yeah. And what I yeah. see is that that we are impacted in the world of form. Um, what we do with that that whatever that circumstance is 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 completely unique to every single person. You know, I mean I I used the example before being, you know, my mother passing away and having seven children, well, six of us rem- remaining all having completely different reactions. Now, you could say, well, my mother died. Of course I'm upset. But then I looked at all my siblings, and it's like, oh, my God, there's the degree of reaction from upset to, you know, not being upset at all was pretty incredible. And it's the same thing with this situation we have right now. It's some people are are being, you know, we're being impacted by it, but it's what you do with that that how you interpret it we were just discussing earlier we've we've seen this whole flurry of creativity and newness coming into our world because of what's happening I mean you and I are experiencing and playing with really creating some really different things which is fun and exciting I've been I've been getting to know my elderly neighbors and it's the most enriching I've been on the phone with them I've been going grocery shopping for them and and I've just said basically you know there's about 10 of them and um we just have the most amazing chats sometimes for about an hour I've learned so much about them and their lives and it's completely enriched me I mean I feel so much happier for this experience it came through the coronavirus which is not pleasant for anybody but I also see the rewards in it yeah um but going back to the relationship for a minute, it's it, it is true. It's it's, and that's where I want to just highlight something. It's like it's it's not that you become more of a doormat or you become afraid to speak or or accept more abuse. But what it is is it's it's timing. It's also is this the time to engage or or inflame the situation. Are there things that you can do, self-care things that you can do to soothe yourself, that your partner doesn't have to change his behavior or her behavior, that you can actually separate and see them as an entirely different person who's going, going through their own feelings due to the thinking they're having that have no bearing on you. So you don't need to change your partner. You don't need to control them 
or even be hurt by them. Just understand that they are living in the feeling of their own thinking and it has nothing to do with you. And what can you do in that moment where you can take care of yourself? Which is number one, understanding that, you know, I love that the concept of separate realities. I mean, um, I used to take things incredibly personally before. If somebody said something mean about me or called me a bitch, I, I, you know, that was a control thing for me. It's like my partner would call me a bitch and I'd end up going, I don't want to be a bitch. What can I do to make him, you know, appreciate me and love me? And then I started twisting myself into that pretzel just to be loved. But now I would, if somebody called me a bitch, I think, hmm, they're having some interesting thinking right now. And, and I just like get on with what else I, I was doing. I wouldn't take it personally in any way, shape or form. But before I w- it would have completely taken me down. And um, so that's that's what I'm pointing to. It's not, it's just to really, you know, find the space within, which is what you said earlier. We not might not be able to leave our houses and go somewhere else or, or whatever, but maybe you can step outside. Maybe you can take a few deep breaths. If you are able to walk in your neighborhood, take a walk. Um, but self-soothe, run yourself a bath, go and have a bath, maybe put candles, do something that's going to be make you feel good for you, that you can do. Not look to your partner to, to um, make you feel a certain way. Well, and call a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call, call me. <laughs> One of my, my elderly neighbors. But yeah, exactly. Call a friend. Get on Zoom. And I mean, how great is Zoom? We still get to see each other and, and talk to each other. And um, yeah, and, and also, you know, I, I used to notice when, when I was in a very dysfunctional relationship that things heightened when we were in the car together. And I just think, what is it about the car? And I thought, you know what, it's it's a small container and the energy gets really heightened really fast. I used to like open the window. If I was having a fight, I would like open the window and hang my head out like a dog and just breathe and you know, try and get some air. But it's the same thing in the house. It's a it's a you know, depending on on you know, some people live in very small homes and other ones have bigger homes. But as you said, it is finding that space within. It really is. And that's that's the only thing that will will really help you through this period. And, and you know, I, I, these are, we don't give tips and tools and things like that. But um, I've noticed that by being of service to others, as in not just my clients, but with my neighbors, I've just, it really is the best medicine. And codependence, and you know, have a tendency to always want to be of service. So it's not going above and beyond where it starts costing you. But as you said, just reach out to a friend or somebody else that might be struggling. Just human connection is so important right now. Healthy human connection. Yeah. So um, one of the things that's always coming to mind as you were talking was this uh, was uh, Victor Frankel's. Mm. Um, beautiful quote where he says between stimulus and response there is a space in that space mm. our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom and it's so succinct um, especially when you think about what he had to go through he was a prisoner of war in, in, in Auschwitz and his experience of it was quite extraordinary um, 
And today I saw something really beautiful that Elizabeth Gilbert shared. She was sharing a story of a friend that went to a prison, uh, a prison and her friend was dying of cancer at the time. Um, you know, she'd been on drugs and so forth and so on and um, had been in prison and, and so forth in Rikers Island and had gone back to open up library there. Um, and she was talking to some of the prisoners and basically um, it was just so beautiful. What she said is, you don't live in this prison. You live in your, you live up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you need to nourish this. This is who you are. This is where you live. This mm. is who you are. This is where you live. And it was so graphic and so simple and so succinct. So those of you who can't see me is literally, this is who you are, tapping on the heart. This is where you live in your head. They don't live in the prison. They live in their minds. And mm. this, this sort of sense of we have a choice to walk away from 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 a big reaction and say not now i'm not going to have this conversation right now i'm just going to walk away and we'll have it when you're when you're feeling calm that was something i didn't even know i personally had as an option i didn't even know that existed i didn't even consider that that was even an option um and so i've i've got to see this and i practice a lot (laughs) with leo like, I'm not having this conversation now. I'm going to walk away. We're going to come back when we're a little bit more calm because you can't hear me. I can't hear you. Yeah. It ain't happening. And I, it's amazing. I, I just, there is so much practice to be had on our kids because they're mm. much more receptive, right? I'm like practicing. <laughs> I'm listening to you and I'm just thinking, wow, how lucky is Leo to, to have that model to him? Because, I mean, think back to our parents. I remember, you know, I think, Part of our, you know, we all have levels of codependency. I remember my mum, who was terribly stressed, raising seven children, no father, and opening up our home to, you know, all these mentally ill people. So if I had a need or a want, if I, if I needed anything, I mean, you know, innocently, she, she totally was like negligent of, of everything. I mean, in our upbringing, but if I needed anything, it would be like, you're driving me crazy. I can't bear this. And, and she would go nuts. So it was like, shut down, shut down. Can't, you know, I'm, I'm making her go nuts. I must be responsible for her feelings. So it was, it was, and that was just one of the areas, but, but to sort of, show our children that no you didn't drive me nuts <laughs> I wound myself up I'm going to give myself a time out and you're wound up too and you need a time out and we're going to come back together and talk about this and I think god that's so wonderful to see that 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 he will he will know that and it's so interesting sorry you say and I'll go back yeah, to no, no, there was there was just there's so much creativity in it because the other thing that he has learned to do he calls me crazy lady. And so now we joke about it because it's like, oh, I, I became, is crazy lady here? And he goes, yeah, crazy lady's here, mummy. And um, he's like, I don't like it when you go crazy lady. And I said, no, I don't like it either. Um, but it, there is this joke we now have where it's like crazy, la- uh, crazy lady's arrived. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah. Chill, crazy lady. Just chill, crazy lady. (laughs) 
But it's exactly, and it does, that's what's so funny. It is, it's like using humor and, and, la- and laughing at ourselves. And that's the other thing is just accepting our humanity. And, and, you know, yeah, we all get crazy every now and again. We just do. And if you don't, then <laughs> I don't understand that because I certainly <laughs> do. <laughs> um, but it's just being okay with it. That is, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we have loving lady, crazy lady, grumpy lady, greedy lady, whatever, wino lady, depending on. (laughs) So it's just having fun with it. And whether you're having fun with it with your child or having fun with it within yourself, it's that taking it all much light, so much more lightly. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, while you know looking after ourselves we can laugh at ourselves there is room for that there really is room for that and so there's also room for us because I really recognize what you're sharing and I also recognize that I still have um I call them airplane trails I I I can still resonate with some of what you're sharing and I still have it like there are moments where I go into that place again that old thinking or that old pattern but now I'm beginning to recognize that it's not me it's just that I have this weird thinking, gunky thinking, or just this thinking, old thinking that's still there. And yeah, it's just a habit. That's all it is. It's yeah. just a, it's a thought that's had a, had its way with you basically for so many years that it thinks it can keep coming back. But now we know differently. We know that we're not our thinking. It's not an indictment of who we are. We can take it so much more lightly. It's like, oh, you're visiting again. Right. So, right. Exactly. 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 And, and there's room for us not to beat ourselves up about it. Cause I think there's an element of this, which I've been through, which is, Oh, I've done it again. And then beat myself up about the fact that I've gone back into that habit thinking, I thought I was over this now and I should know better. And, um, there's shame that comes with that. And then there's this whole sort of cycle of shame that comes with the fact that now you, you, you've, you've repeated that same, I said I wouldn't, and I promised myself that I wouldn't, and now I'm doing it again. And yeah. I'm just a bad person because of that. Versus going, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I have that Britney Spears song in my head like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> It was a whoops. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Oopsie. Exactly. And it's not, again, and, and, and it's also the knowing that it will still happen. We're not trying to reach for perfection here. Just a simple knowing of observing that, oh, I got caught up in my thinking again. Uh, that's it. You don't have to do anything about it and certainly don't judge it and judge yourself because that's then you're going to just make it be more solid and stick around more. It's just the lovingly acceptance of it's it's been there for a long time. It's 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 made a little groove. It's going to sort of come in, but I just don't have to believe it anymore. And and yeah, I mean, I don't want to pretend I don't still fall into that way of thinking. I'm much better in my personal relationships, much clearer there, much healthier boundaries. But I can be codependent with my children. I can be like, you come first. You know, it's like, I, I just am. And and with some friends too. You know, I, I have a friend that behaves in quite a narcissistic way. And I laughingly say, well, at least I'm not married to her. You know, or at least I'm not dating her. But I do have, because people that 
have narcissistic tendencies are incredibly charismatic. They're very charming and, and they are very attractive. And so, you know, I do tend to sort of enjoy them. So I go there again, <laughs> tip my, put my toe in and realize it's scalding water and pull it back out again. <laughs> but, um, but I don't beat myself up. For, I make a joke of it. Like I said, well, at least I'm not marrying them or, or living with them or whatever anymore. They're just a friend. And, I, you know, when it's too much, I can get some distance again. And, you know, but it's, um, yeah, anything I've described, is, there's, there's no shame in any of, of, of that behavior. It's just, um, it was a coping mechanism that you, you as an innocent little child, you, you came up with to help you navigate the world. And again, it's not to make your parents or your caregivers bad either. Yeah, they, were, they probably learned these coping mechanisms from their childhood. So everybody's innocently doing the best they can. And it's so important to remember that. I mean, you shared that you were able to to end an unhealthy relationship, but you didn't do it with in anger and being punitive. You, you detached with love and compassion, but you knew that you didn't want to be in that type of environment anymore. Yeah. And you advocated for yourself and you just said, but you didn't have to vilify him and make him a bad person. It was just like, this is not working for me. You know, I, I deserve better. And and that's all we can do. And again. Yeah. And I also saw that um, he is where he's at. Yeah. yeah. And that I'm at where I'm at. And that that was no longer working. Um, just not a good fit. You don't need to make anybody bad or wrong. It's just not a good fit anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a pair of old trousers. Just I, I lost weight. Yeah, lots of baggage on the way. Yeah, but the other thing I also want to say, and I say this to my clients too, is because sometimes it, it is a form of addiction when you're that enmeshed with another human being, and just like all addictions, sometimes it's hard. You know, you you you, you have create some separation, then you find yourself back there, and that can create part of the shame cycle as well is like, well, you know, why did I come back? And I say, don't ever be ashamed of taking another look at a relationship. That's a beautiful quality to go back and go, can I make this work? And at some point when you're ready, you will say, I've given it enough tries. I want to walk away, but don't beat yourself up for having another look. So that's, I think, very important because, again, that shame cycle can, you know, you start feeding it, um, judging yourself. Um, like you said, you know, how could I let this happen? And it's, that doesn't, you let it happen because you did the best you could with the thinking you had in that moment. Ooh. And, and that, was, that was it. And you learned from it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it a totally negative thing. You learn a lot about yourself from it, a lot about life, how you show up in life. And and that will trickle down to all your relationships. Like you said, not just with your partner, but with with your children, with your friends, with your clients. You know, I have to watch like again, it's codependency with clients. It's it's easy for me to fall into that role again of of giving more than is healthy. You know, I sometimes I have well, much, much better now, but there's been times in the past where my boundaries, you know, I let a client sort of, you know, 
well, I, it was totally me. I didn't hold, hold the healthy boundary of, you know, well, our time is, uh, you know, certain things like that. But it's, it, it's, it perme- and again, with, we're talking about relationships right now, but it happens as, you know, if you're boss and you're the, you're the employee, it's, it, it happens in every single relationship we have with our parents, if our parents are still alive. What is the dynamic that we're still, you know, coming from with our parents? Are we holding healthy boundaries with them? So it's it's fascinating. I, I love it. I I love um I love seeing people find freedom yeah. and still be beautiful, amazing, caring human beings. It was- A lot of parents are afraid they're gonna become <laughs> selfish and mean when they stop you know taking care of others but there's a healthy taking care of is what I'm pointing to it was so funny I was talking to a client today uh next client and um I was saying to her you know how's your relationship with her with her husband and she's like you know what um just now like when I need some space I've got my own room in in the bed in the house now and he doesn't even need to I didn't even need to tell him I'm fed up with him I'll just go into the room and close the door (laughs) <laughs> exactly we all need our spaces as you say if it's, if it's not the luxury of an additional bedroom it's it's the luxury of going inside and yeah. just communing with yourself but she used to be really attached to how he was and what he was up to and what he was doing and and it's so beautiful to see that she's just gone Matt you're doing your thing and I'm just not really interested in that now so I'm going to just you know, go and look after myself. And I just thought that it, was, it, it just makes a lot of sense to her. Um, and she said it with so much lightness that I was like, ah, that, that's, that's really cool that she saw that. Um, so Del, um, if somebody's listening in and going, I think I'm in a codependent relationship, but I'm not quite sure. Or um, I know that my relationship right now isn't really working and I'd love to get more understanding of what I my part in it because of course that's the only thing we can really have control over how can they reach you and connect with you um I'm at deladyjones.com is my website and on that it has my contact info email um telephone number there to call um yeah and and just I have that uh, insightful conversations podcast YouTube channel show. So if you want to learn more about the principles in general and get to meet some of the fabulous, amazing three people community that we're a part of, Marina has been on the show twice. Oh. So, so yeah, so yeah, I, I this is something I've, I've shared before. I am so passionate about. It was my it was my Achilles heel that that. Um, really brought me a lot of suffering in my life until I, um, and I had 30 years of regular therapy to try and get over this. And it was only when I came across the understanding of the principles that I found complete freedom from, um, from this habitual thought pattern that I was engaged in. So. And I can really vouch for Dell. Um, it was actually through a conversation that we had uh, well, we'd have various conversations, but one in particular that really impacted me and that was actually catalyst for me to finish the relationship. So, um, yeah, get into a conversation with her because it's really worth it. She knows what she's talking about, but she also knows where to take it so that you actually have the insights you need in order for you to make the right decisions for you. So thank you. 
Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's love, love being in conversation with you, whatever the subject. Whatever the subject. So for those of you that have been on today, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Um, until the next time, bye-bye for now. And there we have it, another beautiful episode of The Joy of Being. Now, if you got something from this and you know somebody that could really, really do with a boost of positivity and joy, then please do share the episode with them. It's amazing the ripple effect that these episodes can have on others. Failing that, if you'd like to join a different conversation around what's going on in in these uncertain times, then please do join the Facebook group, The Breathing Space for Hardworking Mummers. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash the breathing space for mums in business. 